0: you'll please take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. One of the things, my family was a moral family growing up. They weren't Christians by this stretch of the imagination, but we did do Christmas and Easter and um, we had great traditions, and so for us on Easter was a time of us getting up and having to go to the sunrise service, and then we would go and get donuts, and then we'd come back for an Easter egg hunt at a time where you actually dyed the Easter eggs. They were hard-boiled eggs. And uh, you didn't have those little plastic ones where you're filled with candy and and money and that kind of stuff. You actually had hard-boiled eggs and you knew that you always had one or two that you could never find. But thankfully, because they were hard-boiled eggs, you found out where they were quickly in a week. And then we would go and dress up and we'd take our little Easter picture and then we'd head to church. And then we'd come back and have our meal. And so it was a tradition every year and it was something that uh, was very meaningful But at the same time, meaningless. And what do I mean by that? Because for us, Jesus was optional. Easter was a great tradition, but it didn't have anything to do with Jesus. So this morning, I I want you to hear these words from 1 Corinthians 15, because for me, it is truly the necessity of the gospel message. 1 Corinthians 15 starting at verse 12 through 20. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, I'm going to give you this representation. And many of you have played the game Jenga. I was going to do on the table, but I don't think you can see. But many of you have played the game Jenga, correct? Now, this is not Jenga because I'm cheap. No. Better illustration. Colored. These are rainbow, rainbow tumbling blocks, not to be confused with Jenga. However, these blocks, same concept. If you take one of the top ones and you take it out, like the color of the carpet in the church, doesn't matter. You might even go a little bit further down and take out a block. Say we say infant baptism. Important, but not life-shattering. However, if you take out the resurrection of Jesus, it all comes tumbling down. It is the foundation of what we believe. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then this morning means absolutely nothing. And we are to be most pitied because we should be out the beach, getting the prime spot, getting the best seats at the restaurants, spending time, and not wasting our time here but jesus is resurrected from the dead so let's pray as we prepare ourselves this morning to hear from god's word heavenly father lord even your disciples as said in the scriptures we've already read this morning wouldn't believe the women when they told them that jesus was raised from the dead Lord, how can that happen So, Father, teach us that this is the truth, and it's the truth that sets us free. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand this Easter message anew today. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to see this morning is that the resurrection is the foundation for Christianity. See, religions, religions... Are all trying to come up with the same thing. That's why we have bumper stickers like, coexist. Because aren't all religions just leading ultimately to the same God? We're just doing it in different ways. We just You just happen to grow up in a culture where Jesus is the way. But if you grew up in a culture where Buddha was the way. If you grew up in a culture where uh, Gandhi was the one you followed. If you grew up in a culture where Mohammed was the one that was told. You would have gotten ultimately to the same God. You just would have gone about it in a different way. That's what a lot of people think. Or at best, a lot of people believe that religion is just simply a waste of time. Because again, what happens is we looks that what religion's for is to have a moral sense and a human wisdom. So he turns our moral senses with the platitudes of human wisdom. Listen to what Nietzsche says. Life is meaningless and death is ultimate. Therefore we must be courageous. Now listen to what he says. Knowing. That even our courage is empty of meaning. For this is denial of resurrection bathed, listen, in the despair of a truncated existential hope. See, the, the understanding is, is life is meaningless for all religions. We're just trying to be better people, aren't we? Just trying to be just a little bit nicer, a little bit more moral. As I was leaving the, the neighborhood, waving goodbye to neighbors and stuff who were getting out and doing work in their yards and stuff like that, they, they had a, no problem waving to me. And they know I'm a pastor. They, they waved to me. Why? Because a lot of times religion for them is not offensive. Now, if I had gone up to them this morning saying, hey, you know what, you're going to hell. Well, then that, maybe we'd have some issues. Because people don't want to hear that. But for Christianity, there is something very different. And Christianity talks, first of all, about the atonement. No other religion offers atonement payment for sin. Jesus had to go to the cross. Jesus had to pay so that we might have a right relationship with the God, the Father. And so what happens is people look at the resurrection of Christ and they they say, well, it's It's okay but it's not needed how do you live in a world like that if jesus is not resurrected from the dead or if it was just a spiritual resurrection because that's what they're thinking here in first corinthians well if jesus didn't physically rise from the dead it's not a big deal because it's just again it's morals we just need to be nicer people and so if there's a spiritual resurrection well then that's enough And I'm telling you very clearly, if there is no physical resurrection, then we, as the Bible said, are most to be pitied. Most to be pitied. Chuck Colson, who was a part of the the Watergate scandal, who becomes a Christian while he's in jail, says this about the resurrection. I know the resurrection is a fact. Why? Because Watergate proved it to me. Now listen, why? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put into prison. They would not have endured that if it were not true. Why? Because Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they could not keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. See, it's not just the... The people back there who saw them. And what a great that day that would have been for you to be able to see Jesus physically raised from the dead. But we do not serve a lie. It is the truth. And the truth is what sets us free. Because if the truth is not true, then there are implications. And that's what Paul tells us. What are the implications of no resurrection? Well, the first thing he says is you have useless actions. The first of which is preaching. If if all I have is a lie to give to you, then I'm just an echo in an empty room. I preach no change to anyone. It's just like I'm in a cave and I just simply preach just to hear my own voice. God is good. God is good. God is good. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. Does absolutely nothing to change anyone. And not only that, it would be like so useless, like playing soccer without the soccer ball. There's no purpose. But for some people, it doesn't make any difference to them. It's just a religion. It's just a philosophy. It's no different than the teaching of Plato or Socrates. And so Jesus was just, he's just a moral person. He's just a good person. But if Jesus was just a good person, then what? Your faith is futile. Your faith is useless because the gospel has no basis whatsoever for how you live life. And so he says there's things that become useless but he also says that we misrepresent God because we testify by God that he's raised but he's not raised from the dead and so therefore we're still in sin. Now what does that mean? One, it means that we're still sinners and liars because listen, this is about conmen. Now listen to this. If the apostles were liars, they weren't even good liars. Because why? Because they they were already making money. They were already out there in business. Some were making good money. The ones that were out there fishing had their own businesses. The ones that were uh, collecting taxes, making good money. So they already had money. They did not become powerful because of this. They didn't somehow rise in the ranks of the, the, the well-to-do. They're not popular because they've come and talked about Jesus. What do they end up getting because of this? They get beaten. Some even killed for their trust in Jesus Christ. So if they were con men, they were the worst con men that ever come. Because they were actually worse off because of the con, not better off. And only that, the Bible tells us that we're still in sin. We're not forgiven. And if we're not forgiven, then what does it matter if your lives are changed? What matters if you try to be a little bit nicer, a little bit more moral? You try to to wave before your garage door goes down to other people. Makes absolutely no difference in the world. Why? Because it means that we've wasted our lives. And if we've wasted our lives, that means death is the end. Death is the final end. And so we go from nothing and we go to nothing. And so it's all worthless. Except what? Except one, self-indulgence. That's what the Apostle Paul says later on in this chapter. Eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. There is the reality that at least I I trust the people who are all out there for themselves because I think they at least get the understanding. If this world is all there is, then by all means, do what you want to do as much as you want to do it. Hurt who you want to Hurt. Stab in the back who you want to stab in the back. Steal from whoever you want to steal from. Cheat as much on the test. Who cares that you bought your way into college things? Who cares that you looked at the back of the book for questions? Who cares? Because this world is all there is. So again, what's the philosophy? He who, went, who dies with the most toys wins. Right? You can't take them, but who cares? Live it up now. But the people who had it and were living up now... Remember of uh, Hemingway? A nothingness to nothingness. Here's a man who had fame, fortune, money, all that kind of stuff. And yet, what did he do? Put a gun to his head. Because for him, it's like, if this world is all there is, then I want out. I'm done. Because there's nothing here that satisfies. But that's one thing for non-Christians. People are out there living it up for themselves. How much more for Christians who waste our time here? You could have two Saturdays on the weekend. You could keep 10% of your income if you're giving 10% or more. Some people give 90% of the income. What in the world? Those are, I could be driving nice cars. I could be having a boat that I could go on the ocean with. I could be going on great vacations around the world. All about me. I would have enough money for multiple divorces. Illegitimate children, it doesn't matter whether I cared about them or not, right? But we Christians would be most pity. And listen, the apostles understood this. Women, you're crazy. Jesus is still in the grave and they're saying he's not. He is risen. And that's where we get in the the scripture here where Paul answers the question. But in fact, Christ has been resurrected. That's why we're here this morning. That's why, again, it's the understanding that Jesus is alive. That's why the whole reason why there's the butt there, the resurrection doesn't make it just possible. It is inevitable because of Jesus coming back from the dead. And it says that he is the first fruits. And so the first fruits was the assurance that there was more to come. You would bring the fruits for its in and you would say, Hey, this is just the beginning because now there's the reality that the harvest is coming in. And that's what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to being resurrected. We're looking forward to not having pain. No more sorrow. No more bickering. None of that. All that goes away. Aren't you looking forward to that new body? Now I know the young people are like, I'm doing pretty good. You're not. You're not as good as you think you are. And everybody who is growing older, all those things that creak and crack, all the time that you have to stand and try to get ready to, to, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get up. uh, It's a good day. We look to our new resurrected bodies and it's assured why because Christ is the first and so we look forward to that it's like where Neil Armstrong said it's one small step for man one giant leap for mankind Jesus is saying I am raised so that those who are mine will be raised after me Perfect. And as we begin to grasp and understand that, then there are gospel consequences. Because if Christ is raised from the dead, then he tells us things change in our lives. The first thing is worship. A.W. Pink says this, Worship is a redeemed heart occupied with God, expressing itself in adoration and thanksgiving. Again, There are other religions around the world where you come in groveling, where you have to put your head to the ground because you're scared. Because if you don't do the right thing, God's gonna get you. Christianity is the only one where he tells you, where he says, come and stand. And not only that, it's a reversal of the, of the garden where we were kicked out, remember? It's God. It's why we have the call to worship. He's the one who beckons us. Come. Come and stand in my presence because I have paid for your sins. I have resurrected to give you hope and peace and joy. And so we come here with all adoration and thanksgiving. And I know, listen, I know we're the frozen chosen if you are a Presbyterian. I know it's struggling for you to show um, how, how much you are changed. But we of all people who know the truth, we should be the ones who party the most. Thanksgiving, adoration, come and give it to God. And then A.W. Tozer says this, true worship is to be so personally and hopelessly in love with God that the idea of a transfer of affection never even remotely exists. Are you so in love with God alone? And if you're in love with God alone, then what he tells you, he says, now go out and love other people and serve them. Not because you have to, because you're so overwhelmed with joy and affection and adoration that you say, this is just who I am. And as God has loved me, so I love you. Now when we do that, that means everybody's going to rejoice and thank us and rise up and call us blessed. No. Paul's very clear. If we are of Christ, we need to understand endurance. Because Paul says, I'm in danger every day. I am dying every day. Because people, listen, hate what we have to say. If we go into their house and say, the way you're living is leading to death. They don't like hearing that. But Paul says, if you are in so love with God, if he is your sole focus, and because of Christ and everything that he's done for you, you will want to endure hardship. Why? Because you want other people saved. Do you go into your neighborhoods Concerned about those around you? Do you weep for those who don't know Jesus? Do you go into your places of work and business and cry out and say, God, please save them? Or does it just doesn't matter? Or worse than that, God, I don't want them to know I'm a Christian because I don't want them to look weird at me. So we're called to endurance because not everybody's going to love this. It says, narrow is the gate. Few are the companions. So we're to love and build one another up. And then what happens is we begin to live life, true life. Not to eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow we die. Not for momentary pleasures. Because what we believe in Christ affects how we live. And here's the thing. People should know that there's a difference they should know why? because Christ is resurrected from the dead and he is alive and he is still on the throne amen? so here's your charge as you go forth play Jenga play Jenga or these rainbow tumbling blocks with all of your non Christian friends, but lose the game by taking the bottom piece and saying, My pastor taught us that without the resurrection, then the foundation of this game falls apart. Now, if you want to put it back together and beat them, that's fine. But play Jenga, tell them the gospel, and tell them the truth Jesus Christ is alive and well. And he's coming back, and he's coming back soon.